Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by Pastor of Innovation, Carrie Latticeur, as we continue the series, U+. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays, streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Over the past few months, we've heard all sorts of bad news about airports. Well, today I have some good news. I came across this story and hearing it brightened my day. At the end of her freshman year at the University of Tampa, 19-year-old Kira packed her bags to head home to Long Island, New York for summer break. Among the things she carried with her was a small portable fish carrier to transport a colorful beta fish named Theo that had become her beloved pet during the school year. However, when Kira went to check into her flight, a customer service agent named Ishmael noticed the fish and had to inform Kira that little Theo was not allowed on the flight. Kira was really sad and had no idea what to do. But then Ishmael, the airline worker, said, I have two dogs. I, I wouldn't want to abandon them somewhere. How about if I take your fish home to live with me and my fiance until you come back for college in the fall? And so, Theo the fish went home to spend the summer with Ishmael. As soon as Kira got to New York, she texted him to see how Theo was doing, and Ishmael texted back that he was heading to the store to buy Theo a bigger tank. Ishmael cared for the fish all summer. However, when Kira returned in the fall, he was happy to reunite her with her pet. He said, to be honest, I was worried about something happening to him on our watch, so I was happy for Kira to have him back. That's Kira holding Theo in between Ishmael and his fiance. Isn't that a fun little story? I love coming across stories like this. I think most of us enjoy stories that demonstrate human kindness and goodness. And I think there's a reason why. There's something deep inside us that knows that's the kind of person we want to be. Jesus has a vision for who we can be. The whole intention behind this U Plus series is for us to enter into the life He has for us within the kingdom of God. Jesus is inviting us to leave behind a you life in order to experience life and life to the full in a you plus life. We believe experiencing this flourishing life by living as Jesus disciples means being people who hear from God and do what God says. During this series, we've been digging into Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to see what it can teach us about living in God's kingdom. However, the section of the sermon we'll look at today can be confusing as Jesus seems to bounce from one topic and illustration to another in rapid succession. When we read about planks and pearls and knocking on doors, Jesus' teaching can seem disjointed, but perhaps there is a common thread. As we dig into these passages today, I want to encourage you to view them through a relational lens. I believe what Jesus is doing in this section is giving us a picture of what it looks like to develop relational maturity as a kingdom person. Growing in the ways of the kingdom of God is meant to transform how we interact in our relationships. And Jesus' teaching in this section sets up several contrasts between two different ways of relating. 
Let's dive into the first part of this section where Jesus sets up the first contrast. In the words of Jesus, as recorded by Matthew, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The Greek word judge in the New Testament has two meanings, just as it does in English. It can mean discerning between things, as in, I judge the red car to be in better condition than the blue one. Jesus isn't telling us we should never practice discernment. In fact, later on in the sermon, he'll tell us that we should discern between right and wrong. What Jesus is addressing in his words about planks and specks is the second meaning of the word judge, which is to sit in a place of superiority to condemn. He's talking about our tendency to observe the actions of others and make judgments about them while often ignoring our own shortcomings. Each of us can be quick to condemn others. See if you can relate to this. Hey! Hey! What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? I was here first. No, I was here first. Look, guy, I'm pretty sure I was here first, okay? Because as you can see, my bumper is slightly in front of your bumper. Or maybe you can't see. Maybe you need to get your eyes checked. Oh, I gotta get my eyes checked? Okay, look, I, I'm sorry, okay? I didn't see you there. Maybe with all this construction, I got a speck of sawdust in my eye. Yeah, well, maybe try removing the speck of sawdust from your eye before trying to steal somebody else's parking spot, okay? This guy. Dad? What? Nothing. It can be so tempting to condemn the faults in others while ignoring our own. I think we've all experienced a little plank eye from time to time. This is the sort of judgment Jesus warns against. Author Sky Jathani writes, Jesus does not want us to condemn others, to pass final judgment upon them, or declare another person to be irretrievably guilty. Such devaluing of a person is precisely what Jesus' enemies did to him. It is the way of the world, not the way of God's kingdom. All of us tend to do this, don't we? I want to propose to you that our propensity to judge what we see in others is often tied to what bothers us about ourselves. Psychiatrist Carl Jung said, everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. 
When it's my own bad behavior, I tend to grasp for ways to reconcile that it's actually okay. I'm not sure if you do this, but my go-to is to be able to justify just about anything. Well, I had to because they did this to me, or it was better than this alternative, or it was the only way to respond to this situation that they put me in. We often let ourselves off the hook. I've found that this type of justification is what shame requires of me when I'm not feeling great about my own actions. But Jesus challenges us to address the plank in our own eye. That's where we are to focus. I love how pastor and author Andy Stanley frames this. The more aware I am of what God has yet to do in me, the less aware I am and the less consumed I am by what he has yet to do in the people around me. And how do we take care of the plank? By acknowledging it and allowing God to lovingly work in our life to remove it. When we receive compassion from God for our own shortcomings, we can be honest about our missteps and then extend His compassion to ourselves. And a funny thing happens in our relationships. When we learn to become compassionate towards ourselves, we actually start to feel compassion for others. To grow as a kingdom person and how we relate to others involves letting go of condemnation and growing in compassion. And that starts by receiving compassion from God and being compassionate with ourselves. The second contrast Jesus gives us about how we relate to others has been quite confusing for me in the past. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. The late Dallas Willard has a fascinating perspective on this obscure verse of Scripture. Willard argues that Jesus is not suggesting that certain classes of people are to be viewed as dogs or pigs. The problem with giving pearls to dogs or pigs is that animals cannot digest them. Willard believes Jesus is addressing our tendency to throw our good things at people, things they simply cannot ingest and be nourished by. Maybe a few examples will help explain. Throwing good things might look like Offering unsolicited advice to a spouse or a friend who isn't asking us to fix their problem. Offering a cliche like everything happens for a reason to someone who is experiencing pain. Offering easy answers to someone who's wrestling with life's big questions. Willard suggests that what we're really trying to do when we throw our pearls is to control other people. Maybe we're giving advice because we want to feel competent in the relationship. Maybe we're offering cliches because we're uncomfortable with the other person's emotions. Maybe we're offering easy answers because we're afraid to confront our own doubts. Author Henry Nowen suggests that control can be a tempting substitute for love. What makes the temptation of power so seemingly irresistible? 
Maybe it is that power offers an easy substitute for the hard task of love. It seems easier to be God than to love God, easier to control people than to love people, easier to own life than to love life. Nowen's quote made me think about how, at times, we even try to control God. All throughout this series, we've been challenging one another to hear from God and then do what God says. But sometimes I wonder if I don't want to hear from God because He might tell me things I don't want to digest. Do you ever feel that way? Perhaps for some of us, this could be why we're hesitant to have that you plus conversation because we're worried about where it might go or what it could require of us. But God isn't trying to control us. He wants to empower us. Jesus calls us to follow him, not so that he can control our behavior, but so that he can empower us to live a flourishing life. And as we experience freedom and the life he came to bring, his spirit does a work inside of us, helping us become kingdom people who seek not to control others, but to empower them as well. This kind of relational maturity can look like loving and supporting people as they take ownership of their own lives. Simply being present in the silence with someone who is hurting. Listening patiently and holding safe space for someone to find their own answers to life's big questions to grow as a kingdom person and how we relate to others involves letting go of control and instead empowering others. Let's continue on to the third contrast. Let's assume that Jesus still has relationships in mind as he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Think about what Jesus is saying here in the context of our own relationships. How many times in our relationships do we think we know everything rather than asking questions? How many times in our relationships do we assume the worst instead of seeking to understand? How many times in our relationships do we dig in our heels and defend our perspective rather than knocking on the door and working through things together? Just think about the last conflict you had with someone in your life where you were butting heads with another person. I think it's easy to think that we know rather than asking, to assume the worst of that person instead of seeking to understand to dig our heels in instead of knocking on their door to work things out together. Can you see this in yourself? We fall into this way of relating to one another because of a problem that's become pervasive in our culture. Suspicion. We don't trust each other anymore. We tend to believe the best about ourselves and our intentions, but we're suspicious about the intentions of others. For example, in his book, Collective Illusions, author Todd Rose tells about a study in which over 5,000 Americans were asked to define what makes a successful life. They were given these two choices. A, 
A person is successful if they have followed their own interests and talents to become the best they can be at what they care about most. Or B, a person is successful if they are rich, have a high-profile career, or are well-known. Which would you choose? When answering for themselves, 97% of Americans chose A. But then they were asked a second question. They were asked what they thought most other people would choose, and 92% of them believed that other people would choose choice B. Isn't that interesting? Most of us see ourselves as having more altruistic qualities while suspecting that other people are more driven by wealth, status, and power. We have become naturally suspicious of each other. I struggle with this, especially when I know someone holds a different belief and value system than the one I hold. I can easily slip into suspicion. My defenses go up and I start forming arguments in my head to defend my positions. Do you do you do that too? In this passage about asking, seeking, and knocking, Jesus is inviting us to adopt a different posture in how we relate to other people. He's inviting us to be curious. What if the next time you find yourself at odds with another person, rather than arguing your point of view, you got curious about theirs and asked questions? Rather than assuming the worst about their intentions, you got curious and tried to seek to understand what was in their heart. Rather than digging in your heels, you got curious and invited them to work things out together. In a world that is so polarized by our divisions, some of them, my friends, are radioactive. What might happen if we engaged people with a posture of curiosity? To grow as a kingdom person and how we relate to others, it involves letting go of suspicion and instead becoming curious. When I look at this chart, it makes me think back to Ishmael in the story about Kira's fish. When Ishmael found himself in a situation that could have turned confrontational, he chose to be compassionate, empowering, and curious. I think it's why we like the story. But let's be honest. Sometimes it's easier to do this with people that we don't actually know. Almost all the stories we come across like this happen between two strangers. But what about the people we work with? or those we live next to, or those we are related to. To follow Jesus in the ways of his kingdom means becoming a person who is compassionate, empowering, and curious in all our relationships, even the people who tend to get on our nerves. In fact, as Jesus wraps up this section of his Sermon on the Mount, he offers the key to becoming that kind of relationally mature person. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This gem from Jesus is the key to learning from God and doing what God says in our relationships. Simply to do to others what you would want them to do to you. This has become known as the golden rule, and it truly is brilliant because anyone, anywhere can follow it. 
If you want to hear from God and know what God would have you do in any relational situation, all you have to do is be able to identify your own desires. If you would want to receive mercy, give mercy. If you would want to be shown respect, offer respect. If you would want to be given the benefit of the doubt, give the benefit of the doubt. New Testament scholar Scott McKnight says, If you listen to yourself in all of life, you will be led out of yourself into a life of loving others. You will follow Jesus into his kingdom way of love and give your relationships an opportunity to flourish. Family, for many of us, our deepest pain and our biggest challenges come in our relationships. The transformation Jesus wants to bring in our lives as we follow him and his kingdom ways is not just for the good of others, but for our own freedom. Jesus wants us to flourish, and he taught us how to take steps towards relational maturity. All throughout this series, we've been challenging you to hear from God and do what God says. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And it might be that God has a next step for you to take in how you love the people he's put in your life. That's why we will continue to offer you this opportunity to have a you plus conversation. This is meant to be a conversation with someone in the church who can come alongside you and help you discern what you're hearing from God so that you can do what God says. And it might be that God will lead you to take a next step to develop relational maturity as a kingdom person. Through this U-plus conversation, you will develop your own personal U-plus plan, a discipleship plan that you can live out in the weeks and months ahead as you hear from God and do what God says. If you've not yet had your U-plus conversation, I want to encourage you to take that step and sign up today. Jesus offers each one of us a powerful invitation to reflect and consider if we're approaching this life from a place of self-protection or a place of kingdom orientation. On one side, we can see how easily we might slip into a pattern of condemning or controlling or being suspicious of others. This could be because of the wounds of past hurts or the ways our worldview has been shaped, perhaps even the faith tradition some of us were raised in. But family, this does not lead to the life we all long for. Protection cuts us off from connection. Jesus wants to lead us to a place of flourishing in the kingdom of God, to a life of compassion, empowerment, and curiosity for ourselves and for those around us. Jesus wants to lead us to experience life to the full. My prayer for each one of us is that we would explore how to embrace these powerful shifts and together we would experience the you plus life. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to take a next step, head to communitychristian.info. If you'd like prayer, please text the word prayer to 331-226-1686 and a member of our prayer team will reach out to you. To give financially to community, head to givenow.cc. Thanks for listening to the Community Online Podcast.